Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fearless. Without fear. Bold or brave. Intrepid. What does fearlessly create mean to you? To me, it means presenting your own authentic self to the world create to evolve from one's own thought or imagination as a work of art or an invention follow your heart and bring out what you want to bring out into the world regardless of the fear that you have don't let fear of what could happen make nothing happen this is the fearlessly create podcast with remy Welcome to the Fearlessly Create podcast, where we explore the inner workings of content creators, artists, inventors, thinkers, and motivators. My hope is that if you describe yourself as a creative, that you can identify with some of the topics that we discuss. If you're seeking creativity, you know that this podcast will definitely help you get those wheels turning. I had a feeling that we would start to see some themes emerging out of these talks. We're only three episodes deep, and already... Uh, we've talked to someone who quit their job to experiment with something that they truly want to do. And again, here today, we will talk to another person that has quit their job to experiment and see, uh, you know, what lies on the other side. And on this podcast, we talk about creating without fear. And when your intuition is met with negating thought processes, the likelihood of you accomplishing anything out of your comfort zone is near impossible. And I wanted to touch on the money subject just briefly. If there's anything that will hold you back from leaving your 9-to-5 job, it's money. Money equals stability to some degree. Uh, I'll also tell you that from my own experience, leaving the so-called stable job with great benefits can have a profound impact on the trust that you have with yourself. I think back to uh, a time in my youth, I had finally gotten the courage to jump off the diving board for the first time. I was terrified to leave the kiddie pool where I knew I was safe and I could touch the bottom with ease. When they say take the leap and trust yourself, it all makes sense when you're standing at the edge of the diving board, feeling your toes inching closer to the edge of the board. You look back a couple times just to make sure that you've still got a plan B, an escape plan. You count down from three and you launch yourself into the water. For me, it all just kind of fell into place. I doggy paddled to the side of the pool and I did it again and then I've conquered that fear. Now it's just, you know, (laughs) how long until you take that next leap off the high dive? Um, I left my nine to five, quote unquote, stable job at a large insurance company to do radio. That was my leap. You know, this is this is the industry now in radio that people continually try to perpetuate the lie that you haven't made it unless you've been fired at least once. All I have to say is do what you love and the money will follow. And I know that kind of seems cliche, but that really is true. If you're doing what you love, the money will follow. Take time to build up some sort of fund while you're working full time so that when you decide to leap, you're not totally at risk financially or you could just do it. Just go. The only plan is that there is no plan and you can just trust yourself. And this all kind of loops back around to our guest today, Andrew Hart, who at this very moment has just left his job as a morning show host in San Francisco to pursue um, some alternative career paths. And I don't even think he's sure what that's going to be just yet. He's just a couple weeks deep after quitting radio to follow a dream. And at the age of 27, Andrew Hart was the youngest morning radio personality in the city of San Francisco, originally from Benton, Illinois. He got his start in radio at the age of 14. He's worked at some of the top radio stations in the country, from Z1077 in St. Louis to KKRZ in Portland. He then moved to Chicago, worked for iHeartRadio at Kiss FM, and then WTMX. After three years there, he was approached by Intercom uh, in San Francisco to shake things up on a morning drive slot at Coit, K-O-I-T, in San Francisco, 
and that was the first time in 20 years that they had seen any kind of change there. He's got a huge heart, and he makes a lot of time for philanthropy, whether that's in St. Louis, San Francisco, Chicago. Uh, he does sit on the board for the Primo Center of Women and Children in Chicago. He often hosts annual galas for a myriad of organizations, including the American Cancer Society in San Francisco, Build On, and the Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago, March of Dimes in St. Louis, and CASA of Southern Illinois. He's also got an entrepreneurial side. He's the co-founder of a country music festival that takes place in his hometown of Wren Lake. Uh, Bluegill Music Festival is approaching its second year in July of 2016. We cover a lot in this episode, some great ways to network, specifically targeting high-powered people, how to pivot away from your current career path and into another industry, and some of his favorite books and more. So without further ado, Andrew Hart. What's up, man? Hey, how are you, Remy? Where am I finding you currently in your life? Where are you at? I'm I'm in Chicago. Uh, I'm uh, currently sipping um, Chicago's finest coffee, Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm I'm having uh, I'm having just an afternoon brew. It's great. So you have uh, we know each other through the radio industry, and you have quite an illustrious career that you've been. I mean, at a very young age too. I feel like you were hitting major markets when you were pretty young in this business. Can you kind of take us through where you started and where you're at right now? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate the kind words. Um, it it was I always explain the story as it was purely an accident. I um, I literally grew up next door to a radio station um, in my home, hometown of, of Benton, Illinois, a uh, small town in Southern Illinois, about five hours south of Chicago. Um, and there was an oldies mom and pop station that was was next door, and I needed a summer job and. It was between my eighth grade summer and my freshman year of high school when I find myself going in there and asking for a job, mainly because it, they had air conditioning and it was much better than mowing lawns. I, that's, I, that's about as, as much as I knew about radio. Um, I, I always say, like, if I grew up next door to a lumber yard, you know, I could have been I, like I may have become an architect. Like, I, you know, like it was really the chance was simple as that. So it happened to be a radio station and uh and I, and I liked the concept. I was a music guy. I, I, I play the piano and, you know, so that, that was my, my connection to radio as I liked, I liked music. Um, so, you know, I, um, went in there and at, at the age of 14 years old and, and started interning at the morning show and, and would go in every day before school and, and just kind of get paper and coffee and do about anything and everything they would ask just to learn about the business. And then, uh, that quickly Trans, transcribed into getting a, a board operator job where you, you know, sit there and, and basically run the radio station while something else was going on the air. When that's basically saying you're not good enough to talk yet, but you can push buttons. Okay. So, uh, so that I, I did that for a long time. Um, I ran high school sports and NASCAR races. Which, by the way, if you ever listen to a NASCAR race on the radio, it is just um, so boring. I don't, I don't understand how anyone could listen to cars turn left for uh, four and a half hours, but, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. So ran NASCAR races and Cardinals games and, and, uh, basically just kind of learned the lay of the land of radio. And then, uh, I, I got lucky when I was 16 and, and someone let me go on the radio at a, at a top 40 station and, and the big market down there, uh, Carbondale, uh, where SIU Carbondale exists, the, the big university. So, um, I finally got a shot to do that. And then, uh, you know, I, I, it became my favorite thing and I, you know, did nothing but eat, breathe and sleep radio for my, my, the rest of my years in high school. And then I was uh, lucky enough to get a position, uh, part-time on the radio in St. Louis when I was 18 on, um, on Z1077, which is a station I grew up listening to. And I told myself, you know, that was the old, that was the, the pinnacle. If I could just crack the mic on, on, on Z when somebody was sick at two o'clock in the morning and I got to fill in that, that, that was life. That was it. I was, I was made, um, and <laughs> I got to do it and you know, it gets in your blood and then you, you want more and you want more and you want more. So I was, I spent three years in St. Louis and then I, uh, I moved to Chicago, um, right before I turned 21 and, and I spent uh, five years in Chicago on the air at, uh, kiss FM. I was there for three years and then I, I moved over to the mix, uh, and I was at the mix for three years. And while, while I was in Chicago, I already, uh, also did some stuff on 
uh, Sirius XM uh, when it was Kiss XM 11. So I, I got to to wear the the national syndicated hat for a little while, which was which was kind of cool. Um, and then I moved to San Francisco to do mornings, which is the you know the the coveted spot in radio. It's what everybody works toward. Um, it's it's the the time slot that everybody wants. And um, there wasn't one open in Chicago when I was looking, and and uh, I had, there was a big opportunity in San Francisco, so I picked up and moved west and and uh, did did two years of, of morning radio in San Francisco and and loved it. And Northern California is beautiful. It was a, it was a great experience. And um, you know, after after two years of doing it and and you know closing in on close to fifteen years in the business, I you know started to look at, at things a bit differently as far as what I wanted out of life and and the things that really made me happy that you know weren't tied to money or weren't tied to uh, tangible things. It's more about the, the, the simple things in life. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I kind of realized that there were some things that I wanted to pursue that I wouldn't be able to do if I were to stay in radio. So I decided that, um, about, uh, two months ago, so around Thanksgiving is when I made my final decision to, uh, resign from the radio business and, um, spend the holidays with my family and, and make 2017 my uh, science experiment and figure out really where I want to take my career next. So that's, that's where I currently sit. And uh, it's been a wild 15 years. And, and I remember you and I met each other. You came to St. Louis. What year was it? 2009 or 10? I believe it was 10. Yeah. Yeah. So we've known each other for, you know, over, close to seven years now. And uh, you know, it's been really exciting watching, watching you and, and, uh, and your your whole crew uh, with with um, the bull and everything at, at big in Chicago kind of evolve and you know I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we stayed in touch and and uh, this is it's, it's been fun so it, it's a it's a wild ride as you as you can attest to firsthand. Can I blame San Francisco for your departure from radio? Because I feel like when people go out there, they turn into hippies. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what happens. Uh, I, I didn't turn into a hippie, but I feel like everybody that goes to San Francisco. Um, starts to care about how much water they use in the shower. And I just never really uh, subscribe to that. I still turn the shower on and walk away for seven minutes. So I, I think that's why I can't live in San Francisco. Do you think that uh, being in San Francisco had any kind of influence on like, because I mean, you're surrounded by some of the biggest tech giants in the industry when you're in San Francisco and the California area that you are in. Do you think that it has any kind of influence on how you look at life now? 100%. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you, San Francisco is, is a, is a bubble. It's its own world. It's, it's, unless you live there, do you truly understand how massive the tech industry is? I mean, that it is, it is the industry. I mean, that's what it is. There's no bigger place in the world for tech than San Francisco slash Silicon Valley. It's all considered the Bay area. So when you've got, you know, Google, Microsoft, Apple, Tesla, Amazon, Salesforce, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all in your backyard. Um, it's really an interesting space to be in because it's it's just um, you've got a lot of people from a lot of different countries. You have a lot of money flowing around. Um, it's very, very expensive to live in the Bay Area, um, yet – people are still flocking there like it's like it's uh, the gold rush again. I mean, it's, it's like the gold rush is happening again, except digitally. It's, it's really interesting. So, um, you know, seeing how those companies influence the world, um, is, uh, definitely opening. you know, it's, it's really, uh, it's a fascinating thing to grasp. So, um, I wanted to ask you this and this is for my own personal, uh, because I'm just curious and I've, I've kind of dogged on you before about this, but you actually got a chance to meet one of the most annoying YouTube marketers in the world, uh, Mr. Ty Lopez. Uh, <laughs> and I, I only say that just because, like, I don't know what it was over the Christmas break and vacation, but like every single time, every video I watched on YouTube, you know, the Ty Lopez this is my bookshelf. These are my Lamborghinis. This is my, this is my new Rolls Royce. This just, 
God deliver the other day, you know, that guy. Um, yeah. I, 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 and I know that that's not how he is all the time, but you got a chance to go to one of his like little parties. Did you get a chance to meet him? If so, was your, um, was your view of him changed when you were uh, amongst him and his posse and all that? No, it was like watching one of his YouTube commercials, but live. It was about, it was about <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't know how I got invited, but I was, I was in Los Angeles for the weekend. Somebody said, Hey, we're going to go to this party in Beverly Hills. And, uh, and it was so funny and it's so brilliant the way that it works, the marketing, because like someone said the word Beverly Hills and I immediately thought of Ty Lopez because he always says here at my house in Beverly Hills. And you think <laughs> of that. Like, and I was like, and I immediately thought of Ty Lopez and I'm like, oh, get out of my head. And then, and then the following sentence out of the person's mouth, they're like, yeah, it's at that Ty, that guy, Ty Lopez's house. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, really? I'm like, I have to go to this. So, um, it was, it was fascinating. Like you roll up the houses. I mean, it's a $40 million, $40 million Beverly Hills mansion. I mean, it's, it's everything he says it is. It's, It's unbelievable. Um, you know, you know, if you ask my personal opinion, what do I really think? He's probably renting the house. I highly doubt he bought it. Um, but maybe he did. I don't know. Anyway, so you go to the house and, you know, um, everything's on display. Every garage door is open. Every car you can walk up and see. You can touch the books. Like it, it none of it's staged or, or I guess I should say all of it's staged. So what you're seeing in the video is a real thing. Um, and and it's all there but you know when you when hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You actually go there. It's all out for you to see. So you walk through the house. There's literally a, a, a koi pond and a fountain inside the front door. When you walk in, there's like a moat that you have to walk around to get to the back part of the house. And it's just full of YouTube and Instagram influencers. Just like every hot model that you've ever seen on Instagram, you're like, oh, there she is in real life. Um, they all just hang out there and it's, I guess he, he just throws wild parties and lets people come and hang out. And in the entire time he was Snapchatting, like it was just, um, constant Snapchatting. So, um, it was, it was interesting. You know, I did get to meet him. He was very nice, but definitely preoccupied because I wasn't of the female genre. So he wasn't really excited to talk to me, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely, you know, one of those, you know, they, everyone says, Oh, that's so LA that, that was like, that was so LA that entire, that entire afternoon was just, uh, chalk that one up for, for, um, being exactly what you expect Beverly Hills to be like, you know, so. guys, guys like Ty Lopez and like Dan Bilzerian and these guys, I would really like to lift up under the hood and see what's really going on. Like there, obviously this whole get rich quick scheme, this whole, uh, you know, girls all the time, you know, there's guns and fun all the time and all this stuff always like what's how, how is the money actually being Generate. yeah how yeah. is it being made like and I, i've heard different hypotheses about you know their millions and all that i know dan's a big poker player but i mean th- there's a point where but, it but looks dan, like it dan, has to run out <laughs> yeah well dan's father was very rich i don't know if you know that like bilzerian's dad was worth millions and millions of dollars so he had a he had a lot to come from bilzerian did a great interview with howard stern and talked about everything and it was fascinating because you know, he just, this is how this guy's been living his life for 15 years before the iPhone was ever thought of, let alone social media. Uh, he just decided to pull out a camera one day and let people follow along. So, you know, Bilzerian's story is a little different in the sense that he, I don't think he's showing off just for social media. He just now has a platform to show off on. (laughs) Um, otherwise it was just, you know, myths and tales of like, you know, I, I heard this old, you know, this story about how what, you know, something crazy happened in Vegas and it's just a, a fairy tale. But now it's, you know, it's all tangible. It's all real. 
Um, I've been in Vegas with Bill Zarian and it's a very orchestrated thing. I mean, it's, he walks into the club, 50 girls follow him. He handpicks which ones he wants standing next to him. The rest of them kind of stand in a close distance and the bottle service comes in. He pays for everything cash and then he leaves. And it's a very, uh, orchestrated showmanship thing to where you almost think that it's, it's like, uh, like the Truman show is happening. Like everybody's on camera, but you don't know it, uh, because it's very, very orchestrated, but, um, it's, it's just interesting. But I, I think, I think Ty Lopez makes most of his money on real estate, to be honest with you. I think he, I think he got invested in a couple of real estate deals that he did very well in. And I think he's got some really smart guys around him that are seeding his money into some great funds. And he's just making cash. It takes money to make money. And he got lucky in the beginning and made a lot of money. And then he's continuing to like fund those, those, those long-term plays. And he's just, I think he's just gotten lucky to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know if there's some incredible scheme. Uh, I think it's just, I think he got lucky. And then I think, you know, he sells books and he's got people paying for his content. And, you know, um, some guys make money for you pay for their content. And Ty Lopez is one of them. And, you know, Tony Robbins is another one. And then you've got guys like Gary Vaynerchuk to give it away for free. So, you know, I think Ty took the route of I can make money off of my off of my viewers. So, you know, I think there's a ton of different pipelines where he's making money. But I think most of it's real estate. Mm-hmm. And Bill Zarian is just a good book, poker player. I mean, simple as that. It's all about the knowledge. I heard. Yeah. You got to read books, get knowledge. <laughs> I want to, I, I want to transition back to you a little bit. Uh, you know, this, this podcast is a lot about, um, the creation of content, the creation of, uh, you know, wh- where, where are you getting your motivation and your inspiration in a, on a daily basis? And I know being in radio, you kind of have to, uh, think about what you're going to say, the bits you're going to uh, develop, the storylines that come with a show. Um, what is your morning routine like? Do you have any habits or things that you do to, uh, like when you have an idea, how does that idea come to fruition? Yeah. So, uh, I'll kind of break it down. Um, you know, morning routine, I'm a big, uh, I like to be aware. Um, I like to know what's going on in the world before I get out of bed. So a lot of times I'll set my alarm for, 15 to 20 minutes before I need to get up and I go through my newsfeed, not my Facebook newsfeed, but an actual newsfeed that I've put together through an app um, that lets me know what's going on, you know, locally, nationally, globally, the things that I'm interested in. Um, you know, do I really care if the Dow is up or down? Not really, but I, I like to know just in case it comes up in conversation. I don't sound like an idiot. Um, you know, so I do that. Um, when it comes to having an idea and bringing it to fruition, you know, I have, I've always been a big networker and I've always, uh, found a lot of, um, uh, I guess a lot of pride and, um, importance in building a strong network and, you know, uh, always having a guy, uh, and that's that loosely term of like, you know, Hey, I got a guy for this. And, you know, whether it be a guy or a girl, I, I just, I love having, people in uh, surround me that I can always lean on because I'm the first person that'll tell you, I don't know everything. Um, you know, and I, I like to, I like to have questions answered with, with, you know, expertise behind it and, um, having those people really help. So if I do have an idea, I feel like I have a really good roster of people I can go to, to run it past. Um, you know, I had a lunch earlier today with a, a very good business mentor of mine who is a, uh, mergers and acquisition, uh, specialist at a, at an investment bank. So all he does all day long is buy and sell major, major, major tech companies. And, you know, listening to him talk about the tech industry and where companies are going and, and why it's okay for Uber to lose $2 billion this year. It's actually great that Uber lost $2 billion in 2016 and how that actually makes sense. It's just fascinating, um, where it's not okay for Spotify to be losing $5 billion this year, but if they lost four, it would be okay. And it's just really interesting because it, all of these tech companies are, are, are hemorrhaging money in different ways. And, and it's, it's really fascinating. So you've got a guy like Chuck that I can go to for, you know, anything regarding tech or finance. And then I've got a guy that, that is, you know, uh, a, a real estate developer here in Chicago that I've become very close with. And, and when it comes to, 
buying an apartment, renting a condo, or just knowing what's going on in the Chicago landscape of hotels popping up and things like that, you know, the guy's got an answer for everything. So you start to build a network of people like that around you. And next thing you know, you've got a guy for everything and, and you start to soak in that wealth of knowledge. And, you know, I was told a very long time ago, if you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people. And, and I, I really taken that to heart. And I, I think that that is what allows me to take ideas from uh, conception and bring them to fruition because you've got 19 opinions and all opinions, although each of them are different, mean a different thing and they all make sense and they're all valuable. So it's, it's, it's really taking all the knowledge and, and, uh, and bringing it together and, and making an educated decision. And I think that's what helps me, um, formulate why I get involved in things that I get into. It's, 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 it's not just me pulling strings behind a curtain. You know, it, it, uh, there's a ton of people that are making me look a little smarter than, than I am. So <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and th- that's, it's huge. And like, yeah, I wanted to touch on the whole, like, uh, the, you know, people you surround yourself, you know, you always hear that, that old, that old mantra of, you know, you, you become the average of the five people you surround yourself the most. And, um, I, I wanted to ask, so if I'm, if I, if I currently don't have this network of, uh, you know, high powered individuals or people that can help me out, where does that begin? How do I start? What's a good tactic? Is it a, a random email? Is it a phone call? Is it a, you know, you want to come out for coffee with me? How do you target those individuals? Is it just like on a need as needed basis kind of thing? Or what's your tactic for the networking? Yeah, so my secret sauce is is a couple of different things. I, you know, um, like you, I, I had the advantage of being on the radio, and um, although Instagram is a massive platform, and people probably use Instagram more often than radio every day, right? Like an average person probably looks at their Instagram more often than they turn a radio on. Yeah. Okay. I was able to get more attention from somebody saying I'm a radio personality versus I'm an Instagram star. Um, radio still holds true to legacy media and still holds true to people that it's a big deal, especially when you're speaking to, guys and girls in their 40s, 50s, 60s who remember radio being as powerful as it was before the internet uh, when it was just the big three, print, radio, television. And those people tend to um, get more excited about somebody in legacy media versus an Instagram star. So I played that to my advantage. Um, I played that to my advantage because those people still look at legacy media uh, as if the internet doesn't exist. So in a sense, they kind of think you're famous. They kind of think you're cool. They love the fact that you've interviewed famous people and that sort of thing. So I played that to my advantage big time. Um, they wanted to talk to me. They thought I, what I did was cool. Um, I thought what they did was cool. So I would, I would and then turn it around and want to know about them and genuinely be interested in what they do. How did you build a real estate portfolio with $18 billion assets under management globally? That's fascinating to me. Tell me all about it. And then they'd turn around and ask me, well, how did you get on the radio when I was 15? Well, really simple. I grew up next door to a radio station. Hell of a lot more simple than you building an $18 billion real estate portfolio. So, you know, they, they look and then, and then they look at me growing up next door to a radio station as something more difficult than what they did because it's just what they're really good at. Um, so I, I played that to my advantage and, you know, um, asking people out for coffee with no agenda is the best thing ever, you know, ending a conversation with what can I do for you plays up way better than please help me. Um, you know, I've become really good friends with the biggest mentors in my life because I never wanted anything from them. I was in the radio business and they're in real estate or finance or they're in, you know, something totally different. They're in tech or whatever it may be. And, and, and I, you know, I me, them talking about what they do was just as fascinating as me talking about interviewing Katy Perry. So, you know, um, 
I guess, you know, going into the conversations and into the meetings without knowing or without having an agenda is, is the best way to go because those people get nothing but hit up all the time for favors. And, and when you don't want anything from them, it's the best way to do it. The other way I made uh, the, the biggest thing I can suggest to, to build a network of influential, successful people is to get involved in charity work. And I don't necessarily mean go plant trees. I mean, go attend a charity event and find a way into that charity event. If you can't afford the thousand dollar ticket, find a way in. Because the people that are paying five hundred and a thousand dollars a head to go to some gala that's hosted by, you know, a big children's hospital or a big museum, um, that's where those people go to play. You know, a lot of people, you know, young millennials go to a bar in Lincoln Park and have beers, and that's their outing, and that's what they do with their friends. Rich people pay a thousand dollars a head and go to a gala and eat free food and get free drinks and get blasted and take an Uber home. That's just <laughs> what to do. So, you know, I learned really quickly that that's where those people go and play. That's their playground. And I started hanging out in that playground and I couldn't afford to hang out in that playground. So what did I do? I figured out how to get involved in planning those high net worth events. When you've got a net worth of a billion dollars in a room between four, five, six, seven families that are attending the event, it's a really powerful thing. It's really interesting to watch how people maneuver that room and get in front of those families, those names, those last names that have the 300, 400, 500 million dollars of net worth behind them because that's where business deals get done. They get done at charity events. It's it's you would think it's done in a board meeting. That's all bullshit. That happens that's it those it gets done very uh, much like you having a drink with a friend over a beer at a bar. Um, that's just where they do it. It just happens to be in a tuxedo. Um, so when I learned that, that's where I started to hang out in those rooms. And, and then, you know, you play the card up of, hey, I'm a radio personality and I help plan the event. And, you know, I'm a part of this. And then you start meeting, you know, people that donate to charities have a lot of money, have a lot of things to spare. Therefore, they're very successful. Or they own a company that, you know, you start to meet decision makers at big brands like, you know, uh, you know, like the like the luxury director at Hyatt, which is a position that sounds made up, but it's not. And there's somebody that runs all of the luxury brands at Hyatt and, and they end up donating 20 rooms across the globe to the to the charity event. And then you find someone who's got a private jet who will donate their jet to get to that destination. And then you find restaurants at that destination and you get them to donate. Now you've got a package worth $40,000 and somebody buys it. And then you have to contact that person. And now you're talking to that person that afforded to buy a $40,000 vacation just randomly in an event. And that's how I started to build my network of insanely ridiculously successful people and it was and it was not because i came from a family of wealth i did not um i came from a pretty white collar family hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. My mom's a teacher and my dad's an insurance agent. You know, we weren't living on the streets, but we definitely weren't driving Rolls Royces and living in Lake Forest. So it was just very different. Um, but that's my best advice is, is, is don't ask them for anything and you'll end up getting everything. And find a way to get around them uh, in very unorthodox ways um, or un unorthodox isn't the right word, but in very unusual ways versus 
you know, knocking on their door and trying to get into their boardroom. That's the last place they want to hang out is in their boardroom because they're there all day long. So that's that's my long winded advice. No, it's great advice. I think uh, a couple of things to touch on there are, uh, you know, these these high powered people for the most part are used to being pitched all the time on random stuff. Trying people trying to get into work for them or trying to sell them on something. And I think it's a breath of fresh air, like you said. It, if you go in without an agenda or if your if your whole mo is to say i just want to pick your brain i just want to see what you're about i just want to have a conversation i'm interested in whatever you do and then you know by by you playing the radio card i've done the same thing even if you even if you don't have the the radio card to play that's still a better way to get in with somebody than to go in being like you know i like you said i need help i need you to help me attain x y and z whatever that is and then another thing that you touched on that i've never i i've i've read a lot of networking books and i've i've i feel like i'm i'm pretty savvy when it comes to the whole you know tech industry and tech world and, and that networking atmosphere i've never heard of the whole like charity angle on how to get in there but you're right i mean the all, of any of the charity events that i've been to and, and a lot of them, like a lot of the fundraisers, these are probably pretty low on the totem pole. But I mean, there's there's guys spending ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars on trips to wherever, you know, during the the live auction. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, how are you, how are you doing this? And then they come from the families or the the business owners in the city. And if you can be there to be like, hello, my name is. That's a yep. great. That's a great way to get in there. I didn't even think about that. And and your way in with you know becoming part of the charity. Not only do you feel that sense of fulfillment because you're you know doing your part, right? You're doing your part with whatever charity that you've decided to be a part of. Um, but it it also could benefit you in the long run too. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I mean, you know that you know um, all charity work is great. You know, but you know there's a difference of people you know, that are going to the $40 events that are a two hour happy hour, you know, at a bar on Hubbard street, that's great. You know, you're raising money and that's awesome. But the, the, the powerful people are the ones that are at that, you know, their company bought a 10 or a $20,000 table for 10 people. You know, you're going to the cystic fibro fibrosis foundation event at the Fairmont, you know, like that's an event just full of power players. I mean, the mayor usually attends that event along with the chief of police of Chicago. I mean, talk about heavy hitters. I mean, those are the events that if you can work your way into those, I, I found that's the best way to get around those people in a way that their, their guard is down. They're having a good time. Liquor, liquid encouragement is always good. Um, you know, if you don't drink, then order a sparkling water and throw a lime in it and just fake it, you know, like just get in there and do it. Um, that's that's it. It works. I promise it, it works. And I guarantee that just from experience going in there without that whole intention of meeting whoever high powered people, but going in there with the intention of uh, helping out with whatever charity it is, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation or American Diabetes Association or whatever, they they're also businesses in and of themselves. And I think a lot of people don't really view them as that, but they are. Uh, they have an advertising budget. They pay a, a staff and all that kind of stuff. But to go in there with with that uh, with a, a little bit of a positive spin on that whole thing, and not not so much like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get phone numbers tonight. I'm gonna get you know this. I, I feel like you you'll probably end up with that anyway if you go in with that mentality over anything else. Absolutely, yeah. No, I I uh, I, I attend a. Um a dinner series every once in a while that I get invited to. And they, these dinners pop up kind of all over the country. Um, it's called the influencers dinner and it's hosted by a guy in New York. And, um, and the, the interesting thing about this dinner is that you go into the dinner and you don't know who anyone is. And for the first two hours, you're only allowed to speak first names and common interests. It keeps you away from asking the question. So what do you do? Um, where you cut right into business and I've made more friendships from that concept of those at those business dinners because you're truly opening up and talking to that person about what they care about and what they like. And there's just such a deeper connection between that, um, 
than anything else. So once again, no agenda, you know, you know, you just, you're just going in just to, to, to genuinely learn and just ask questions and just get to know that person. I think that's a, another great approach is, is, you know, don't look at it as trying to figure out what they do. Just go in it and learn about them as a person. It's going to be so much easier to ask for something or just they'll probably end up giving you what you want uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I think if you work from the heart, that, that really is a good place to start with any of this stuff. Um, yeah. I sent you a couple questions and I always ask guests, you know, if you want to look at it, fine, go ahead. If you want to look at it in advance, if you want to improv, whatever, but I just like to give you kind of a feel for what the podcast is about. So I'm going to gonna, I'm going to go through those, uh, those quick questions. Uh, sure. what does fearlessly create mean to you? Um, I immediately go to, um, the phrase of, you know, dance like nobody's watching, you know, fearlessly create means you want to go do it to me. It means you want to create something from the heart. You want to create something from within and you're going to fearlessly, shamelessly, whatever it may be, um, do it and you're going to make it happen. And it doesn't matter what people say or do around you. Um, that's your, that's your goal. That's what you want to do to make it happen. Fearlessly creating your reality, your future, your whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's completely removing the emotion outside of you. It, you're just, you're, you're using your emotion and it's nothing, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is excluding, um, influence from the outside. Is, did I answer that question correctly? Yeah, I think you got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you, you might recognize this next question. I believe it is a question that, uh, Peter Thiel asks in interviews. Uh, what is something you believe that not many others agree with you on? So I thought about this and I really, I don't know if I have a good answer for it. Um, you know, I think, I, I think, I don't know if it's anything that I don't, that others may not agree on. It may be more about the process. So I think it's, it's, you know, maybe going, you know, I I think kind of what we just talked about, you know, going into a room without an agenda. Um, I talk to a lot of people that, you know, that, you know, I think there's a time and place to ask the question, what does success look like for you? If you and I are going to work together, you know, what is success to you so that I know exactly how to make you happy. And, I, and you, we can work out exactly what we do. That is, that is a, for, that is for a certain time and place that, that I guess concept. Um, I meet a lot of people that think that concept is for everything. And that's when people get shut down. That's when people wonder why they didn't get an email back. That's when people, you know, are curious as to why they're, conversation, coffee, dinner, interview, whatever it may be, didn't go the way they thought or wanted to. And, uh, I think it's, it's, you know, as us DJs do read the room, (laughs) make sure that you, you have a couple of approaches to what you want out of something you're going for. And, you know, I think a lot of people or some people I've met, um, think that it's a catch all and it's a, it's, well, this works every time. 60% 60% of the work time, it works every time, right? Um, it's not, it's not, it's not uh, the case. So I guess um, that, that would be my answer, but I don't know if it's a good one. I think, uh, I, I think that's a great answer that came, you know, right off the cuff for you. Uh, maybe something that would help. And I wanted to ask this question anyway. So uh, this might be a good transition into that, but I would, I would venture to guess that not many people agree with the fact that not necessarily you, but the whole concept of leaving a paying gig with benefits uh, without having a plan is probably something that a lot of people don't agree with. Can you kind of explain what you're thinking in this kind of situation as you leave radio and onto your next adventure? Yeah, definitely. No, you, you actually, uh, that's, that's a really good point. Um, everyone told me not to leave without a job. Not one person said it would be a good idea to leave without a plan. Now, I, uh, I don't not have a plan. Um, I know what I want out of my next move. I just have to identify 
who's going to help me make that a reality or what is going to help me make that a reality. Um, but I, I, the decision for me was mainly based out of, um, you know, well, you, you know, mornings is a very exhausting, time consuming, completely pulling your entire life into one thing, uh, career. It, it, it's the hours are crazy. Um, you know, you're doing nothing but catching up on sleep on the weekends in the afternoons, you're groggy. Um, it's, it's a, it's a labor of love. That's 100%. Um, and I felt like I needed to take a break from that before I was able to transition into something different because I just needed a break in general. Um, I needed to take my mind out of radio for the first time in close to 15 years and just put my mind focused on me as a person before I go and go all in for another company or another venture. Um, so, you know, and I also want to say I don't have millions of dollars saved. I don't even have hundreds of thousands of dollars saved. So I need to figure it out. Um, I know that. And I actually like the fact that I have a time frame. Um, you know, it, it, it lit a fire under my ass to go, okay, well, I can last for X amount of time, but if I don't figure it out by here or this time, I'm in real trouble. And, and, you know, do I think that I'm going to hit that and, and that actually become a real concern and I have to move into my parents' basement? No, I don't think that's the case. But, um, but I, I kind of like the fact that I don't have a job right now and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what that is next. I, I, it's, it's a little more exciting for me, but I'm also in a, major different situation than a lot of people that, you know, may be married or have kids or a mortgage or whatever it may be. I know that not everybody can do that. So this was a definitely a decision that was custom for my lifestyle. Um, and you know, I was able to pull it off, but, uh, do I suggest it? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I don't suggest it at all. So, uh, what's one piece of advice that you've received from a mentor that fuels you on a daily basis? Um, my favorite quote that was given to me, uh, about a year ago from the guy I actually had lunch with today is, um, hope without a plan is just a dream. And I think about that all the time because, you know, everyone always says, Oh, I hope that happens. Okay. Well, what's your plan? <laughs> Cause if you don't have a plan, it's, it's just, you're just hoping, right? You're just like, you know, um, so I, I think about that all the time. That piece of advice is really great and it's more of a quote, but, but, but definitely a piece of advice, um, because I think about it all the time and it, and it's, you know, it's one of those things that, okay, yeah. Um, it challenges me to, if I really want something to happen, can I strategically make it happen? You know, if I really want it to rain, probably just going to have to hope that it rains, like <laughs> I can't change that. But if I really want a job next month, can I strategically plan to make that happen? Yeah, I can. But, you know, you have to have that plan. And a lot of people, I think, stop it. Well, I hope uh, they, they stop after they say, well, I hope it happens. Um, so that I think there's a part two to that sentence. And, and that's that I like that that uh, sentence a lot, that phrase. This is kind of a, a unique question in your current situation. But if you weren't in your current position, what would you be doing? Um, you know, if I weren't in my current, let's see, what would I be doing? Um, you know, I, I always wanted to be a touring musician and I was never good enough. Um, I, I, I had a, there was a point in my life where I was training classical and jazz piano and I did, I did get a full ride piano scholarship in college. So I was good enough to get that. But there was a point in my life to where, okay, do I give up radio and go full-fledged piano and try to become a pianist in the orchestra at, in St. Louis or Chicago or wherever? Um, and then I started looking at my chances, and I was like, well, there's one pianist. There's like 80 violinists. Chances are probably pretty slim. So I, I didn't do it. Um, but I there's something about live music that, like, when you're on stage and you're playing it and you're with a group and you're feeling a groove and the audience is loving it. It's just, it's a feeling that, you know, 
that the guys that even in the Rolling Stones, they still get the feeling every single night, although they played Start Me Up 800,000 times when they start the concert with that song, they still get goosebumps every night, whether it's in, in Los Angeles or Rio. Um, the people there that are the, that are there to see that show know what they're going to see, and 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 it and it fe- it fuels them as an as a band. So I always wanted to know what that feeling would would have felt like, but um, you know, so I guess that that would be it. Would be go on tour and tour the world as a musician uh, in a really great band like Coldplay. Love the joint Coldplay. That'd be kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. So. I've ha- I've had the Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Opportunity to be on stage with you know many different uh, country music acts, and I say on stage, I mean like on the side of the stage, uh, right. <laughs> where they let radio people hang from time to yeah. time. But it's oh, just yeah. it, like like you said, it's just one of those euphoric feelings of being in front of. 10, 20, 30,000 people who are all just vibing on the same thing. I, yeah. I would say that's almost, I, I don't do drugs, but I would imagine that it's somewhere in that realm where the world goes away and everybody is involved in that one vibration. And it's yep. just the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah. No, what those, what, what true touring musicians get to experience every night on that stage is very special. And it's a bond that they hold and that, you know, that they can, they can be a part of, you know, I'm, I've become really good friends with a guy named Brett Tuggle who has played piano for Fleetwood Mac for the last 30 years. He's been on every tour. Um, and you know, even though he never wrote a Fleetwood Mac song, um, he's part of the band. And he's been a part of the band for a very long time. And, you know, he says that it's one of those things. It's like a drug, he says, when you're on stage and you're, you, you play those songs that the audience is so in love with and so happy to be a part of um, with that band uh, and Fleetwood Mac being one of the greatest out there, you know, it's a special thing. And, and, and when he talks about it, you can just tell like you, like, it's just like, he can't really explain it. He's trying to do his best to explain it. Cause you, he knows you want an answer, but he can't really explain it. So he's kind of making it up off the top of his head. But what he is telling you is, is, is magical. And it's, and, uh, it's a cool feeling. So that, that I'd say that would definitely be a great, a great thing to experience. What's something that's currently inspiring you it could be like a, a book or a Ted talk or podcast, or maybe something you uh-huh. recently bought. You know, I, I, uh, I've recently, and I say recently in the last, you know, two years have really jumped on the, um, the Gary Vaynerchuk train. I'm a big fan of Gary and what he's done. And, you know, a lot of people are, are like watch him on social. And, and of course he's very big on that. And I think that's great, but I'm a very strategic person. I look at the business deals, deals he's done and he's just, he's just brilliant. I mean, just the, the, the things he's gotten involved in and how he does it and how he's built VaynerMedia, his, his digital agency and the certain markets he's gone into and, and, and when he goes into them and why he goes into them and how fast he hires and how fast he turns out, you know, uh, content. It's just, it's really brilliant to watch, watch what he's done and how he's really shaken up the advertising agency or world, I guess the advertising industry for the first time in a very long time. Um, so I definitely love that. I, I follow, Anything and everything Richard Branson does, I'm always inspired by what that guy has to say. I, I've been fortunate enough to meet him twice, and both experiences were just like you know uh, a 14 year old girl meeting the Backstreet Boys in 1997. Have I mean, you been? Was, have you been to his island? Uh, I, you know what? Uh, not to brag, I have an open invite to Necker Island. I have yet to go, but I it's on my list of things to do in 2017 and or 2018. Um, but I know I know of four or five of my friends who have been, and they say it's just the craziest experience ever. So um, 
I'll update you if and when that ever happens. But yeah, I, I want to go. I hope that update comes with like an invite or, you know, something, yeah. you know. <laughs> I get a plus one. So if you want to come with me, I haven't <laughs> found anyone yet. So you, you, you could probably put that, that would probably go viral if you made a blog post about that and just uh, took interviews for people to go with you, you know, interesting yes. people around the world. That's brilliant. Isn't that, wouldn't that be, that would be really cool. I do have a, I do have a plus one. Oh my God, that's a brilliant idea. There was well, a guy, do you remember that guy who, uh, he was. It's, almost like, it's like almost like auctioning off my virginity. Uh, it, yes, but only it's, it's Necker Island, which it's, is. Right, right. Which is twice as good. <laughs> uh, there was a guy that, uh, I believe he's from Canada. I could be wrong, but he booked a trip around the world with his girlfriend and then his girlfriend broke up with him. So. He basically took interviews from girls and went with some random girl. <laughs> I love that. I remember that story. That was I remember I think I talked about that on the radio. I'm sure yeah. we both. Yeah. Um yeah, no, that's that's great. Yeah. So um Richard Branson. And then I'd say a book I've read recently that I really liked was uh Never Eat Alone. Um and it's just a book about networking and making sure that the things that you do every single day that can be done with someone else influential that you try to take advantage of it. Um, so I guess, you know, never eating lunch alone basically means like, you know, if you can find a meaningful relationship with somebody or a meaningful meeting or a way to, um, further your, um, your career or whatever it may be, do it over lunch or coffee or something like that. I guess, you know, seize the day, you know, yeah. uh, that, that, that sort of thing. Farazi, Farazi is a, a popular, uh, author on this podcast. Uh, there's a couple of people that have recommended that exact same book. I'm actually looking at it right now on my book of my bookshelf of knowledge. Why wow, your bookshelf of knowledge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should just get a sign over the shelf that just says knowledge, but like <laughs> the letters are like spaced out by three feet apart. So when you read it, you actually go knowledge. <laughs> It just subconsciously you do it. That's a great idea. I, you know, and I wanted to touch on Gary, uh, and, uh, also a guy that I follow all the time, Casey Neistat. And I'm sure you've seen some oh, of his God. stuff. I'm These the guys, big, I'm the biggest Casey Neistat. What, what CNN did with Casey Neistat is the smartest thing I've seen a national news outlet do maybe ever. Yeah. And especially for Casey, I mean, that's some, that's a lot of, uh, security for him, uh, some job security for him. And, Absolutely. uh, I feel like there's only so far that he could have gone with Beam and CNN will kind of take it the rest of the way and, and, and make that. And, and of course, they'll be interacting with him. Dude was flying from a drone over Christmas. I mean, I, I love, I love his, think big mentality and make it happen mentality i mean and him and gary I, they don't sleep i would love to know how that works like from an anatomy standpoint from a physiological yeah. standpoint it, is there some well, sort of like yeah. dna that they have that we don't no but i do know one thing so there is a I believe her name is – I forget her last name, but she's like number two or number three at Salesforce. Like there's Mark Benioff who's the CEO of Salesforce and then her name's Maria and she's like the second or third person in the company. She sleeps in a hyperbolic chamber every night. Um, you can buy these things. I forget how much they are. Several thousand – like hundreds of thousands of dollars I'm sure – but she sleeps in a hyperbolic chamber and it sends pure oxygen through the chamber and she only sleeps for four hours a night, but her body gets the rest of 10 hours. Um, so I know that that's how she does it, but I doubt Gary's doing it because Gary's traveling all the time and I doubt Casey's doing it because they're traveling all the time. Maria like is always in San Francisco running Salesforce. So um, I think that's how she pulls it off. But I, I, that's the only thing I've heard of outside of just those guys are just putting IVs, IVs of coffee and Red Bull in their veins. I don't, I don't know how else they do it. I, yeah. I it's crazy, but, that's, but there is a, there is a thing, a hyperbolic chamber that like it's for people who just don't want to sleep very long. And, well, and they use, they use those for, uh, for treating scuba divers who suffer the bends. So if they're, really? if they come up too fast, they've been underwater too long 
and uh, they, you know, they get the uh, the bubbles in their uh, bloodstream. I'm I'm thinking of, I, I think I'm thinking of the same thing. It's a chamber that you basically get put in for you know uh, half an hour, hour, a couple hours, or whatever it is, and that's supposed to relieve those air bubbles in your in your uh, airstream. I would imagine that this Maria Salesforce uh, high powered person is probably not at the same level as those. You know what I mean? It's probably a more of a slow flow type of thing, but uh, well, it's... here's 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 one on rehab mart you can buy for 12 grand. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at it right now and it looks quite interesting. Um, these are hyperbaric chambers. I don't know if that's the same thing, but anyway. It's fascinating. I don't know how those guys do it, but I'm the biggest Casey Neistat fan. I've read all four of Gary's books. I can't wait for his new one to come out. Uh, I, I, I got to dive into Tim Ferriss's book. I, inter- I, I, you know, I didn't interview Tim Ferriss, but I, a friend of mine, it, you know, this is probably I, one of the crazier things that happened to me. So a friend of mine in San Francisco who's a, a owner of a company uh, there is really close with friends with Tim Ferriss and he was telling Tim about me because I just moved to San Francisco and I was doing mornings on Coit and Tim was like, Oh man, I want to talk to this guy. Cause like he knows radio and he's like, I'm just starting my podcast and like, I want some tips. So Tim Ferriss ended up calling me one afternoon and we talked for like an hour and he was just picking my brain about radio. And I'm like, I'm the whole time I'm sitting there and I'm like, why why like i don't like what you're doing in your podcast is amazing like i like he was just asking me more about you know how to how to keep retention of people and like that sort of thing and 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 i i i hope i gave him good advice but i know it's so different between a podcast and radio because radio listening is so passive and podcasts are so are so um well not passive so um but it it was really interesting but but uh, after listening or after talking to tim I became the biggest fan of him and he does an interview with Mike Rowe. Um, and my, I'm like obsessed with Mike Rowe. I love that guy. Um, and their interview is really good, but Tim's new book tools of Titans looks great. I can't wait to get that. Thing. I'm looking at that on my uh, shelf of knowledge as well. I, <laughs> I have, I have all of Tim's books and Tim is actually a lot of the inspiration for this podcast and what I'm doing right now. I, I've, I remember his first podcast with Kevin Rose and how it's evolved from, you know, Kevin, who's a good friend, and uh, a lot of his good friends who started off uh, the podcast with him. To I think one of my favorite episodes is with Rick Rubin, who is one of the most out there dudes in the world, but so brilliant at the same time. Yeah, Rick is amazing. I love that guy. Um, yeah, Tim. Tim's incredible, and I love my I love Mike Rowe. And it's so funny. Like I only learned that Mike Rowe lived in San Francisco after I left San Francisco. Otherwise, I would have stalked that guy for two years just to like find him because he eats out every night. He goes to a different restaurant in San Francisco every night. I didn't know that, and I would have just like I, I would have tried to find him and just hang out with him. Such a like, weird place for Mike Rowe to live. I would I would put Mike Rowe in Des Moines, Iowa. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like, or like outside of a, a car, car factory in Detroit, like, you know, like it's something like, I don't know. Yeah. But my, yeah, Mike lives, he lives up in, well, he lives up in Marin County, which anything, if you know anything about California, Marin County is like the place to like, everybody's got a house in Marin County, like Jim Carrey and like Madonna and like everybody, like Marin County is the spot and he lives up in Marin County and it's, it's very gorgeous up there. And, and, um, I, he's kind of a nature guy and I think he just lives out in the woods in Marin County, like in the redwoods. So I can kind of see it. He's not as, uh, as, uh, you know, built for tough as you might think. So, uh, he's also got a podcast too. It's pretty good. Uh, some like short stories and whatnot that he's written an eloquent writer and speaker an amazing dude. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, if you ever get a chance, and I know you've probably seen these, but uh, speaking to the listener, search Micro QVC, the most funny videos you will ever see in your life. Of oh, yeah. Mi- micro selling cat toys and lava lamps. It is brilliant. It's amazing. Have you, so have you heard his interview with Tim Ferriss? I have, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard every single one of them that Tim Ferriss has done. So I'm going to yeah. get your contact after this, and uh, next we'll have Tim Ferriss on the show. <laughs> yeah, <that's great. laughs> I, uh, I, I loved it so much when he told that story about, um, about American Airlines and having that D1 pass and how he traveled the world for free for two years, first class. Like, 
that story was, I just sat there like grinning ear to ear. It was the greatest thing ever. And then the yes. way it ended, I mean, he just, he's had this fascinating life. That's just like, it's just so cool. I just, I want to, I just want to have beers with the guy. I just, I want to hang out with him so bad. For sure. Uh, dude, I, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Uh, I feel like we could probably go on for another couple hours here. Uh, we haven't talked about radio yet. So yeah, we should probably stop. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, thank you. Is there anything that you want to, to get out there? Is there anything that you want to deliver to the audience? So, you know, where they, where can they find you? Where can they follow your story? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, of course I, I, uh, I'm at Mr. Andrew Hart on everything and it's MR. Andrew Hart on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's, I don't Snapchat. I probably should. Um, I, one of my best friends works for Snapchat and I had lunch with him yesterday and he was like telling me why I should be Snapchatting. And I just, I just, I, I couldn't get into it, but I follow content on there, but I am on Snapchat. I don't know if I'll snap you, but I'm on Snapchat. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, no, I, more than anything, I'm flattered that, you know, um, that, that I'm, that you asked me to come on. It's, it's very nice of you. And, and, uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and I, I do love talking. That's, that's one thing for sure. As, as you and I both do very well and do all, uh, do a lot of, uh, so I, I'm glad I got to spend an hour and a half talking with you. So thank you. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the fearlessly create podcast. As you know, this is an experiment, something that I'm kind of just having fun with right now. Hopefully you're enjoying it. If you have any suggestions, you can always email me, remy at big955chicago.com, or you can always call me out on Twitter at Remy Radio. That's R-E-M-Y Radio. Uh, You can find this podcast on Spreaker, of course, if you're listening on iTunes, it's there as well. And feel free to share with your friends who you think might also enjoy this podcast. Thanks again, and as always, don't let the fear of what could happen make nothing happen. Now go, fearlessly create. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.